Ivan the Terrible, the original headbanger. I'm Torin Atkinson. Ivan's parties are always BYOB. Bring your own bear. I'm Kevin Leeson. Destroying rebel farms with ruthless efficiency. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda. Ivan the Terrible. Oh, Le Terrible. Uh, yet one more of our Evil Dudes in History series. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorite series that we've ever done. Was he annoyed by his nickname? No, he loved it. Oh! Yeah. He, he embraced being terrible. Word origin of Tsar from 1550s, from Russian Tsar, from Old Slavic Tsetsari, from Gothic Kaiser, from Greek Kaiser, from Latin Caesar. Is there a difference between Tsar with a Z and Tsar with a, or Tsar with a T-S and Tsar with a Z-Z? No, they're the same. It's basically uh, uh, everything in Russian has like seven spellings or something. Oh, good. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, like uh, doing the research, you find a guy's name and then you find the same guy, but his name is spelled slightly different. Oh. Yeah. It's, uh, and I don't know, this doesn't seem to be any like rhyme or reason for it because they, they spell things in Cyrillics. And then when we, I think in, oh, that, right. in the whole like translating yeah. over to right. Arabic, it gets kind of all mushed up. Now, now I remember, and I just double checked this on Reddit's Ask Historians, but the Latin Caesar that we always say, you know, Caesar salad, is actually pronounced Kaiser because the Latin uses hard K sounds for mm, their C's. That's, and that's Absolutely. why, but you don't have a Kaiser salad. No, you don't. But you do have a Kaiser roll. There you go. Oh. Perfect. Keep that in mind throughout the course of this episode. Closing the circle. Oh, very important yeah, information. Very important information. Keep that in the back of your mind at all times. Ivan the Fourth Vasilievich is more commonly referred to as Ivan Grozny or Ivan the Terrible. Mm-hmm. The modern English usage of terrible with a pejorative connotation of bad or evil does not precisely represent the original intended meaning, ah. which is inspiring fear or terror, right. dangerous, formidable, threatening, okay. tough, strict, Authoritative. So Ivan the Badass is what his name kind of meant, right? Ivan the Badass. Uh, Another academic definition of Grozny, specifically for use in archaic usage, courageous, magnificent, magisterial, and keeping enemies in fear and people in obedience. Okay. Sure. Everything that makes a good czar. I I like, I'm going to stick with badass, yeah. Yep. That all kind of fits there. Ivan the Terrible is kind of like the Russian version of Alexander the Great. Okay. In that they both have names and a the as a middle name and then a descriptive word as the last one? No, I think they, like, they're supposed to have the same kind of connotation, right? right? Alexander oh, I the see. Great. Larger than life. Yeah. Yeah, like, okay. uh, you know, things becoming a leader and the Greeks wanted their leaders to be great and the mm-hmm. Russians want their leaders to be terrible. Yep. To be badass. Mm-hmm. The princes of Muscovy had traditionally been tax collectors for the Mongols, and it was not until Ivan I managed to amass a large personal fortune and conquer surrounding rivals that any single ruler began to emerge in Russia. In the 1500s, while Western Europe was mid-Renaissance, Russia was still struggling to establish its own identity after gaining independence from Mongol rule in 1480, when Ivan III united all the territory around Moscow. Okay. 
So that's a little background. So before that, it was all like little islands floating in the sky. They and were all he, com- he united them into it territory. Was Mon- it was Mongol lands. Yeah, it was kind of, it was run by Mongols, and they're all kind of little warring uh, roost tribes or oh. Kievan tribes uh, that uh, you know kind of competed against one another. I had a whole Avatar Pandora thing in my head where he united the floating islands, and that's what became Russia. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of uh, uh, like city-state islands. Right? I guess, yeah. You know, that uh, you know had peasants kind of surrounding the cities and, you know, taxed them and whatnot. You, you're all part of the same thing now. Yeah, and giving all that tax to the Mongols so they didn't, you know, maraud through your territory every couple of years. And... Ah, the marauding tax. <laughs> I'd rather they just came through once in a while and took all my stuff. When Ivan IV was three years old, his father died from a boil on his leg, which developed into blood poisoning. Oh. Ivan was proclaimed Grand Prince of Moscow at his father's request. His uncle Yuri challenged Ivan's right to the throne. He was arrested and imprisoned in a dungeon where he's left to starve to death. Nice. Challenge denied. Mm-hmm. Now, who who arrested and imprisoned him? Was it the, the three-year-old child, I hope? Uh, it, it was his proxy, his mother, who oh, acted okay. as regent. Okay. Uh, <laughs> his mother, Elena Glinskaya, was the regent okay. uh, to the three-year-old monarch. And uh, she had... Uh, Ivan's other uncle also killed to sure. eliminate any other That's challengers. Like, I see a pattern floor. developing here. Let's yeah. let's cut this out. Let's nip it in the bud. Uh, apparently, it's a lot of work to just make families like each other. So instead, they just kill off. Well, the, these were uh, Ivan's father's brothers, not <laughs> right, not Elena's. Oh brothers. yeah, so she didn't like them anyway. Yeah, in laws, in laws, exactly. Okay, right? but like I'm an uncle and I have a niece, and uh-huh. if Killer. she were to become Killer. a ruler, I would be like, right on. I'm not like, well. Hey, wait a minute. Because you're doing it wrong. Yeah. I'm your you gotta chal- as, as soon as somebody takes over the throne, you have to challenge. That's why you're never going to be Joe the Terrible. What would happen is, yeah, somebody. <laughs> be Joe the Milk Toast. Do I, I have my sister, one of my other sisters Joe. would make the challenge, and then uh, she would put that, the mother would put that sister into jail and mm. then just kill me. Oh, well, the in laws. To be fair, Torn, Joe is terrible at a lot of things. Oh. <laughs> yeah. When Ivan was only eight years old, his mother suddenly died. One week later, her confidant and young Ivan's chief ally, Prince Ivan Obolensky, was arrested and beaten to death by his jailers. Oh. Obolensky's sister, Agrafina, had been Ivan's nurse, and she was sent to a convent. Years later, Ivan would invite their younger brother, Prince Dmitry Obolensky, to his cellars to select a favorite vintage and had him hacked to death amongst the cast. Oh, that's exciting. That was out of space chronologically, but right. it just was like, it was related to the Obolenskys, so I threw it in there because there was nowhere really anywhere right. else in the research to put it. Obolenskys. Mm. So these people will come up later in some no, importance? they're okay. not coming. So they I can, they never I can forget Obolenskys' name. Yes. Thank yes, God. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All the names are going to be a problem gonna, for uh, you, Tor? They are really going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> According to his own letters, Ivan, along with his deaf-mute younger brother, Yuri, were mm. often neglected and offended by mighty boyers from the Shusky and Belsky families. What's boyers? A, yeah, what's a boyer? They're, uh, I mean, like, they're noblemen. Right, they're they're mm. that's the name for the generic term for aristocrats in the the Russian system, and that's why Chef Boyardee was so unpopular after the reign of Ivan. Oh no, it's it's different, Dimitri. We didn't realize Chef Boyardee was actually a Russian aristocrat. Oh, he right. ran from a pogrom <laughs> and ended up disguising himself as an Italian chef. <laughs> yeah, the first three all died. Chef Boyar A, Chef Boyar B, Chef Boyar C. Yeah, but Chef Boyar Alexander, Chef Boyar Boris, Chef Boyar Dimitri. Yeah. 
the boyers, who now ran the day-to-day operations of the palace, would only call on Ivan when his presence was required at a ceremony. Okay. As the rivalry in the palace for the power of Russia escalated into bloody feuds, Ivan witnessed horrible atrocities. He lived in poverty and regularly what? bore witness to murders and beatings. What? The boyers alternately neglected or molested him in mm. spite of his status as ruler. Mm. Armed men would roam the palace seeking out enemies and would frequently burst into Ivan's quarters where they might shove the Grand Prince aside, overturn the furniture, ransack the private quarters, and take whatever they wanted. Okay. Ivan and your I'm just assuming it was nothing but um, those eggs. You know, they just uh, the Fabergé eggs that just came in there and just like it was a giant Easter egg hunt the whole time. <laughs> That's why they were always turning, ransacking yeah. his uh, his rooms and turning See if over. You can find beds. where I hid them, ransackers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's turned into such a harmless little child's game these days. Ivan and Yuri often went about hungry with their clothes threadbare. Oh, incapable. Have some more. Yeah, like a little. Yeah, like an Oliver, only an Ivan. Yeah, they should make a musical out of that. You know, the mm. young Ivan, the the youthful years. L'enfant terrible. Uh, incapable of striking back at his tormentors, Ivan often took out his frustrations on defenseless animals. He tore feathers off of birds, pierced their eyes, oh. and slid open their bodies. Yeah. This environment understandably nurtured Ivan's long-term hatred for the boyer class, yep. whom he suspected of somehow being involved in his mother's death. Mm. The ruthless Shusky family gradually gained more power. In 1539, the Shuskis led a raid on the palace, rounded up many of Ivan's remaining confidants, perhaps in an attempt to demonstrate their own power or simply to denigrate that of the Grand Prince. They had the region's loyal secretary, Fyodor Mishurin, skinned alive and left on public view in Moscow Square. Fantastic. So, you know, this is uh, a childhood. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how else uh, you would describe this. Uh, I, I know that their message is one of a threat when they skin a guy alive and leave him on public view in the Moscow Square. But yeah. the message it sends to me is, hey, you'd better get rid of all of us really quick because we're super dangerous and crazy. Like not do what we say, mm-hmm. but like wipe us all out. That's well, what Joe, the message is. It's funny that you say that. Oh, good. Because I think Ivan got that message. Yeah. Because on December 29th, 1543, at the age of 13... Ivan surprised his boyers by calling them to a meeting. Oh. He condemned them for the neglect of him and the nation and denounced them for misconduct. Prince Andrew Shusky, the leader of the boyers, was thrown to a pack of starved hunting dogs and mauled to death as an example to the others. Oh, nice. Okay. After this event- hunting dogs. After this event, the boyers' influence over the affairs in the palace quickly deteriorated. (laughs) So- But the problem is the the hunting dogs aren't starved anymore. Yes, no, yeah. absolutely. Can only do it once a, only do it <laughs> yeah. once a week. Yeah. Oh, but, now, know, while they're on a cool down. Hold on, we don't know how many hunting dogs Ivan had. Oh, I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. He's a Russian prince. He might have had hunting wolves standing in the in in the in the wings waiting. And then maybe hunting then again hawks, throw, hunting bears. Throw you two well-fed hunting dogs and mm-hmm. they just like surround you for a week while they get hungry <laughs> and then you die. <laughs> By this time Ivan was already a disturbed young man and an accomplished drinker. Oh, nice. He would throw dogs and cats from the Kremlin walls to watch them suffer. God. He roamed Moscow streets with a gang of young cohorts, drinking, knocking down old people, and raping women. He often disposed of rape victims by having them hanged, strangled, buried alive, or thrown to his pet bears. Pet bears! You're thinking there's a, this is, there's a silver lining to this story, is what you're thinking. No. Oh. No. I don't like bears. Oh, really? As established in our bears episode. You don't care for bears? No, I'm not a bear carer. Uh-huh. Not even the Care Bears. But they care about you. Yeah. It's not reciprocated. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Ivan became an excellent horseman, was fond of hunting and delighted in the killing of animals. Ivan also enjoyed assaulting and robbing random farmers. Meanwhile, he devoured books at an incredible pace, mainly, <laughs> mainly religious and historical texts. I don't think literally I, oh. in this case. Oh. In this case, I think he... Uh, he was a monster eating those books. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He didn't want anybody else to learn how to read. So he ate all the books that came into Russia. Ironically, Ivan was also very devoted. He would throw himself before religious icons and bang his head against the floor. This habit resulted in a callosity in the middle of his forehead. A callosity, that's like a callus? I think that's what that means, yeah. Okay. I think that's a, a, a forming of a callus. In the middle of his forehead from knocking his wow. head against stone floors. Pat loved banging his head against the floor. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's just an early headbanger. There was no oh. music, but he was like, this will give me an excuse to bang my head. He, just, uh, he was singing Quiet Riot in his yeah. head. Come on, feel the noise. <laughs> I like it. There, there should be like classical versions of all these heavy metal songs. Write that album, Torn. On 16th of January, 1547, at age 16, Ivan was the first person to be crowned as Tsar of all the Russias. Prior to that, rulers of Muscovy were crowned as Grand Princes, although Ivan III, his grandfather, styled himself Tsar in his private correspondence. Oh, I see. That's like, yeah. You didn't make it I'm, official. I'm a Tsar. Yeah, I'm a Tsar. But he didn't actually say to anybody, call me the Tsar. Where, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Ivan, after having fed one of his boyars to the dogs, thought, I'm Tsar I'm material. Go, I'm going all the way. I'm Tsar material. I'm coming out. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. coming out of the Tsar closet. <laughs> there you go. By being crowned Tsar, Ivan was sending a message. He was now the one and only supreme ruler of Russia, and his will was not to be questioned. Mm-hmm. The new title not only secured the throne, but it also granted Ivan a new dimension, one intimately tied to religion. He was now a divine leader appointed to enact God's will. Right. Orthodox church text, texts described Old Testament kings as czars and Christ as the heavenly czar. Oh. The newly appointed title was then passed on from generation to generation. Oh, so yeah. The Classic first move. czar. The littlest czar as well. I he 13? He was, at 16 years old, he oh. was already heavily entrenched in the evil, uh, in the dude, uh, evil dude of history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He already like kind of established his evil uh, bona fides. He's, uh, he's been simmering in this pot of destruction and death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Ivan decided to choose a wife, he had eligible young princesses and daughters of nobles presented to him in a kind of medieval Miss Russia contest. Oh, wow. There's actually, there's a painting of this. Uh, okay. And it's just him in a room full of ladies, all kitted out, all dressed to the nines, vying for his attention. It sounds like a pretty good situation to be in. Just dropped into a room of like dozens of eligible lady friends and uh, to say, hey. Uh, do they have to do a talent contest, first of all? Like, do they have oh. to have some kind of talent? What kind of talent in medieval Russia do you think would attract the eye of the 16-year-old czar? Uh, avoiding face cancers. Oh. That's that's a talent from back in the day. <laughs> oh, that one has managed to avoid multiple face cancers. Excellent. Oh, uh, how about, uh, you know, like a stand-up act, denigrating boyars? Oh, yeah. That would have gone, go. yeah, yeah. gone over like gangbusters. Gang yeah, definitely. What do you think, Tarn? What, what other talent these young ladies could have exhibited that would have? Well, when I was 13, if you got boobies, you go, you're doing pretty good already. Oh. That's a talent. Just, uh, uh, you figure, the rack. The, the rack. rack. Right? As yes. opposed to like torturing the rack. Oh, yeah. Ivan the Terrible's idea of that was quite different. Oh, yeah. Put that rack on the rack. <laughs> How about a swimsuit competition where they have to fashion their own furry swimsuit out of the remains of a bear? Oh, there you go. There you go. Good time. Some skinning. Uh, Ivan fell for the beauty and charm of Anastasia Romanovna and married her. And by all accounts, Anastasia had a quieting effect on Ivan. Oh, it's huh? like less terror. 
He called her his little heifer. What? <laughs> nice. And they were to have 13 years of wedded bliss. That's nice. Anastasia bore him six children, of whom only two survived through infancy. Oh, wow. Hmm. In the first years of his reign, Ivan was advised by three loyal men, Alexei Adashev, uh, his personal priest Sylvester, Ooh. and the Metropolitan Macarius. Suffering thuckachash. <laughs> I would love it if that's how he spoke. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That would have been amazing. Although I don't know if I could do that and a Russian accent at the same time. <laughs> now, Metropolitan... Is actually the title given to like kind of the 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 church head in Moscow, so okay. Metropolitan will come up, and it does it doesn't necessarily mean people who are um, cityish. Hip. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with it, any of that. Just means it's the head of the church of Moscow. Head of the okay. church. Uh, Ivan reformed the government and reduced corruption and influence of the boyars. He also reformed the church and the army, creating an elite force called the Streltsy. Streltsy. It, I think it sounds, it must sound better in Russian. Strelzy. Strelzy. Yeah, I can see it. I can see people being, you know, uh, intimidated when you heard that the Strelzy were coming. Literally means shooters. Mm, nice. On the 21st of June, 1547, about a year after Ivan's coronation, Moscow was damaged by a sudden terrible fire. Mm. The city's mostly wooden buildings quickly succumbed to the flames. With two thirds of the city destroyed, the young Tsar was furious. Sure. Two thirds, that's a lot. He blamed his maternal relatives from the Glinsky family for the fire. Oh. Yuri Glinsky was stoned to death in the cathedral in front of the horrified Metropolitan Macarius. Macarius. Yuri's brother Mikhail attempted to flee to Lithuania, but was caught and executed. Ivan's own grandmother, Anna, on his mother's side, was accused of using sorcery to start the fire. Nice. Uh... Although Ivan did not hand her over to the mob as they demanded. Ivan had several other prominent Glinskys executed in Red Square, the end result being the end of the Glinsky family's political influence. Wow. Well, shouldn't have started that fire. With your sorcery. With you your shouldn't so- have started the fire with mm-hmm. the sorcery and mm-hmm. your maternal grandmother. <laughs> yeah, that's cold. That is cold-blooded. Well, unless he actually has proof, but I don't think oh, wow. he does. That seems... I mean, if he's, if he's claiming sorcery, yeah. Uh, I, that somehow makes me think that perhaps his reasoning was not entirely great. Yeah, you know, I mean, back in those days, I, I don't know how good their forensic kind of, you know, <clears throat> science was. Yeah, Probably. it's pretty hard to dust for sorcery. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you got fairy dust. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they, fairy dust Pixie is dust. used mm-hmm. to dust for sorcery. Now let's move to the early rain. All right. Early rain, early rain. Huh? We have already sung more than I thought we were going to in this whole episode, and we've barely begun. Despite a rough start, the early parts of Ivan's reign was largely one of peaceful reforms and modernization. Oh, okay. Ivan revised the legal mm-hmm. code, okay. presumably for the better. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. He, he established a standing army. All he did was at the army. end put, unless you're Ivan the Terrible. Right. <laughs> no that murder, was the revision. unless you're Ivan the Terrible. <laughs> No rape, unless you're Ivan the Terrible. Well, I don't think uh, he's still only like 17 years old. I don't. He hasn't gotten Ivan the Terrible. Yet. Okay. Mm. He's been terrible. He's been terrible to a lot of people. Right. But I don't think that's his moniker. Is yet. he responsible for changing the meaning of that? Like it used to mean badass. Like oh, you're so terrible and big and threatening and that's awesome. And now it's just like don't be terrible. That's what Ivan is. <laughs> that's what Ivan was. Yeah, I, was, I don't know. Uh, you, you're a terrible leader. <laughs> oh, th- I. Oh wait. Wait. Oh, I, oh. I, I'm I'm Russian, so I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah, it's so confusing when words change. Uh-huh. 
He established the first Russian parliament, known as the Zimsky Sobor. Oh, yeah? Okay. Well, that uh, sounds like a, the kind of thing a good leader would do. I suppose. Confirmed the position of the church with the Council of the Hundred Chapters. The Council of the Hundred Chapters. Chapter one, do whatever Ivan tells you to do. Yep. Chapter two, read chapter one. Oh, which unified rituals and ecclesiastical regulations across the country. Right, so every like little podunk church on every street corner, every small town couldn't let's just get, do their own thing. Let's get standardized, people. Let's standardized. He introduced local self-government to rural regions. Mm-hmm. In 1553, Ivan established the Moscow Print Yard and the first printing press in Russia. The new technology provoked anger in traditional scribes mm-hmm. who burned the print yard in an arson attack. What? Have they not been paying attention to what he does to people who set fires? Hold on a second. Here's what I want to know. It's like, because I figured medieval scribes were kind of the computer nerds of their time. Right. right? You know, yeah. like they, you know. Uh, Leaning over their books with their quills. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Their hunchbacks. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Ivan doesn't appreciate us. Man. I'm going to comment on this comment on <laughs> this book. It takes right. him forever, though, because he's going to do it with his quill and pen and takes painstaking. I think instead of burning down the print yard, they should have trolled him. In like yes. some sort of religious text, yes. just like a little asterisk at the bottom. Ivan stinks. Nevertheless, printing of books resumed from 1568 onwards. So uh, 1553 to 1568 was a time of no printing. 15 mm-hmm. years. Right. However, the country's vast lower class saw their lot generally worsened during Ivan's reign. Ivan turned land over to military servicemen as incentives most of which had been state land worked by free peasants. This system gradually turned a large portion of the peasantry into serfs bound to the land they tilled. Codified in 1581 when Ivan issued an edict forbidding peasants on service lands from relocating. You got to stay on that piece of shit (laughs) sod that I gave you. Thank thank you for your heroism, General. Here's some land, and it's got people on it to work it for you. Yes. By law. Who aren't allowed to leave. Yeah, by law, they have Uh to stay. Do what you say. Oh. Yeah, see, uh, you know, you got all the good things. You got the print yard. You got the uh, parliament. You got the codification of laws. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, one of those laws means that you're basically a slave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Surfing USA. No, surfing USSR. <laughs> Everybody's gone surfing. That's actually where the term surfing came up, because the, uh, the, 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 the generals who got the new land would, like, ride them. Oh, yeah. Like surfboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ride them in through, through the muck. Yeah. The slop. Just to run and just jump on one of them and shoo, See how far they get. That yeah. was like early losing. <laughs> in 1552, Ivan laid siege to the, to the Tatar fortress city of Kazan. Kazan! <laughs> All right. The siege dragged on, and when Tatar prisoners were tied to stakes close to the walls in the hope that their pleas might persuade the defenders to surrender. All right. Tatar bowmen silenced them by shooting them. Oh, well, all right. Those those Tatars are pretty cold-blooded, too. Sappers dug tunnels under the walls and exploded mines, which knocked down sections of the defenses and destroyed the town's water system. Uh, That's going to put a siege to an end quickly. Yep. After Mm -hmm. almost six weeks, Ivan's men stormed the town, overwhelming the defenders and sacking the city. The Muslim population was expelled and Russian colonists were moved in. Mosques were replaced by Orthodox churches and any Tatars in the surrounding countryside were pressed to convert to Christianity. Hmm. There you go. All right. Kaza. Ivan had St. Basil's Cathedral constructed in Moscow to commemorate the seizure of Kazan yep. 
and marked every stage of the victory by erecting a wooden memorial next to the Trinity Church. By the end of the campaign, the Trinity Church was surrounded by a cluster of seven wooden memorials. All right. Ivan ordered construction of a new stone cathedral on the site. What do you think he counted as a victory in the campaign? Do you think it was just like, okay, we pitched tents, put up a memorial. No, maybe. The memorial tent pitching. Let's let's do some erecting. Uh, Ruining the water supply, though, that would for sure be a memorial. Sure. Oh, you know what you'd have in it? You'd have a fountain inside that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's just like, hey, Tatars, you don't have water. We do. The building is shaped as the flame of a bonfire rising to the sky. Oh, so this is the this is this church that like is right next to the Kremlin. That's like right in Red Square. That super iconic looking church with all the spires and whatnot, and multicolored. It does look like it's on fire a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. Probably by sorcery. <laughs> a design that has no analogs in Russian architecture. Dmitry Shvidovsky, in his book Russian Architecture and the West, states. It is like no other Russian building. Nothing similar can be found in the entire millennium of Byzantine tradition from the 15th century. Strangeness that astonishes by its unexpectedness, complexity, and dazzling interleaving of the manifold details of its design. It's a cool-looking building. Like, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's, you know, if you talk about the Kremlin and Red Square and all that stuff, this is what I think of when I think of those places. You know who else was impressed by it? Mm. Ivan the Terrible. Oh, yeah? Although legend has it, legend has it, that Ivan was so impressed with the structure that he had the architect, Postnik Yakovlev, blinded so that he could never design anything as beautiful again. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, you, give, you give your military personnel land and serfs as incentives, and you give your architects a couple of thumbs to the eye. But in reality, Yakovlev went on to design more churches for Ivan, as well as the chapel over St. Basil's grave that was added to the cathedral in 1588, several years after Ivan's death. They could both be oh, true. Right. He could be blind and still making oh, buildings. Yeah. That is, that is By true. Braille. He would, well, yeah. he would be sculpting them with his hands out of Plato. Right. Well, I mean, how... Build it like this. How bad do you need to be uh, in order for a legend to arise that you had your architect blinded and tons of people were like, yeah, it sounds like him. Yeah, it sounds like something he would do. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah like nobody's sure. like kind of second yeah. guessing it. You're kind of like, oh, he couldn't stand the idea of that guy designing any more things for other people. So you had him blinded. Huh, yeah. Right. Okay. I get it. Even even Postnik Yakolov was in that <laughs> crowd saying, yeah, I think I was blinded. Yeah. I'm the terrible. Oh, yeah. He blinded me with science. It is com- beep, beep, beep. It's completely possible that I can't see right now and I'm just hallucinating <laughs> what I'm seeing because that guy's a bad guy. Yeah, he is that terrible. Yeah. <laughs> In March 1553, Ivan fell ill with a high fever. During his illness, Ivan demanded that the princes and boyars swear an oath of allegiance to his infant son, Dmitri. Okay. Mm. But mm. most would not. Most said, no, I'm not I'm not doing that. Okay. And then Ivan recovered. Uh-oh. <laughs> hey, when you refuse to do something that the, this bloodthirsty czar who has had many people executed, uh, when you refuse to do something because you think he's on his deathbed and then he recovers... What's the, first thing, what's the first thing that goes to your mind? Damn it. Did I say I wasn't going to swear that? <laughs> Oath of Allegiance? Oath of Allegiance? Because yeah. I meant that I was going to. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Ivan recovered, but he never forgave the treachery of those around him when they thought he was dying. Mm-hmm. A few months later, the royal couple was visiting a monastery to give thanks to God for Ivan's recovery when a nurse accidentally dropped Dimitri into the river and the baby drowned. Oh, <laughs> you had one job. <laughs> Don't drop the baby hold in this, the river? Hold this baby for me. 
<laughs> okay, so the the baby that he wanted them to all swear loyalty to, yeah, they didn't do it. Ivan recovered. They went to church to thank God, and then the baby was, and I'm air quoting this, dropped in the river. Huh. I wonder if uh, any of those boyars greased the nurse's hands. <laughs> Butterfingers, nurse Butterfingers, she's uh-huh. known as. Yeah. No, can't uh, hold on to a baby. Yeah. <laughs> they should have sworn loyalty to him. It would never become a problem, right? Little did they know. If only they could have told the future. Oh, I've got some details on how that worked. It was they a were... very greasy baby, actually. Oh, really? They... Is that what Dimitri means in Russian? Greasy? <laughs> yes. They were on a boat, and it got hit by a wave, and it overturned. Oh. And uh, everybody else was able to get off, but the wet nurse dropped him. Oops. So I can understand. Sploosh. I thought, oh, you're walking over uh, a river on a bridge. Oh, whoop, whoop. Oh, I just <laughs> it's dropped like a the, bar uh... of soap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, uh, totally on a boat, hit by a wave, overturned, and she didn't manage to hold on. Well, now now it's obvious that they went to thank God, and God was like, "Mm." No, no, not me. That wasn't me. That wasn't me (laughs) that that saved you. Somebody else. Yeah, somebody else saved you. So Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm taking Dimitri with me. Right. Uh, That's the only logical explanation. It's the only logical. The middle years. The 1560s brought hardships to Russia that led to dramatic changes in Ivan's policies. Russia was devastated by a combination of drought and famine and unsuccessful war against the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth mm-hmm. and a sea trading blockade carried out by the Swedes, Poles, and the Hanseatic League, which is cool. a commercial and defensive confederation of merchant guilds and their market towns that dominated along the coast of Northern Europe. This is sounding a lot like so basically Dungeons and Dragons. Countries, no, I was going to say Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. It's oh, a, yeah. You're totally right. The Trade Federation, yeah. Uh-huh. Those Russians. Oh, I can't do that racist accent. They're supposed to be aliens. Why does it sound so racist? <laughs> oh, I was thinking like Dungeons and Dragons. There's always those like guilds, you know, yeah. the oh, yeah. thieving guild and the merchant guild. And they all kind of like, you know, have their own you yeah. know, shadow economies and whatnot. Yeah. Hanseatic cities had their own legal system and furnished their own armies for mutual protection. The legacy of the Hansa is still remembered today in several names. The oh. German heir Lufthansa is Air Hansa. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. The huh? Hansa University of Applied Science in the Netherlands, the Hansa Brewery in Bergen, the Hansa Bank in the Baltic States, now known as Swede Bank, and DDG Hansa was a major German shipping company from 1881 until its bankruptcy in oh. 1980. Oh, they didn't quite make 100 years. I, I, I thought he, I thought DD, DDG Hansa was like a German or a Russian rap. Oh. <laughs> what up, DDG Hansa in the house? Yeah, well, I, I think it's interesting that, yeah, the, like, is it, he's all weren't affiliated by uh, language or or uh, ethnicity or anything like that. No. It was just like a bunch of guys who Merchant decided guilds they were, were like, going like to make money. Let's not get pushed around by crazy rulers. Let's yeah. be rich and not get pushed around. And okay, have our cool. private army. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, Ivan's first wife, Anastasia Romanova, died in 1560 as she succumbed to a lingering illness. After her death, Ivan suffered a severe emotional collapse. He banged his head on the floor in full view of the court and smashed his furniture. So again with the head banging. Yeah. He's like, he's just running around the throne room, bashing everything with his head. His, his like, nickname should have been Ivan the Ram. Yeah. There's, all, right? there's all these cutouts in the walls of his body as he <laughs> runs through them head first. Uh, very Looney Tunes of yeah. you, Torn, of course. In the perfect shape with a lump on his head, yeah. right? You know, yeah. lump on his forehead, all- Always believing his mother had been poisoned, Ivan was convinced his wife had suffered the same fate and his suspicion deepened into paranoia. Dun, dun, dun. Angry and depressed, his old cruelty began to resurface and Ivan raged against the boyars. Oh yeah, because Anastasia was suppressing the evilness. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Probably in her womb or something. His little heifer. 
Yes. That's, I guess I've never met a heifer. Have you, uh, they must, they might be very calming. They might be like Buddhist like. Sure. Yeah. You've never met a cow? Like, well, I mean, not the one that says, hey, let's check out that heifer. I've seen cows. Oh, okay. Right? If you put an arm on a heifer, it's all of a sudden has this really soothing meditative effect. I don't even know exactly what a heifer is. Heifer is a female cow. Okay. So a, a young cow. female cow or a just cow, female cow? Because a male cow is a bull. Yes, that is true. And so a female Ivan cow didn't like bull. Uh, a heifer is a young female cow that is not born a calf. Uh, there you go. There you go. There you go. Right. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, I, little heifer. Like there's kind of you know a uh, Madonna sort of uh, you know virginal quality about heifers. So once she gave birth to that first kid, like a, you're heifer. Not a heifer anymore. Oh. Calfing for the very first time. Mm. Uh, he accused the boyars of poisoning Anastasia, and although he had no actual evidence, he still had a number of them tortured and executed. <laughs> I mean, sure. of course. That's what you do. <laughs> hey, listen, he's probably had a couple of years in there with when he was with Anastasia that he didn't torture or kill anybody. Right? You know? Glass half full, Torn. Yeah. You know? Stop pointing your fingers, man. Think of all Judge those, lest ye not be judged. Think of all those hours in the day where people aren't being tortured under his command. And just be yeah. thankful. Yeah, exactly. It's probably the majority. Yeah, of every hours. minute that you're not being tortured and executed is a good minute. Yep. Ivan's closest advisor Adashev died in prison. His personal priest Sylvester was exiled, oh. and in 1563, Macarius died of natural causes, leaving Ivan without an inner circle. Oh, Ivan alternated between violent fits of temper and remorse, while blasphemy and superstition succeeded his pious moods. Okay. Ooh. Hmm. <sighs> mood swings. Yeah, <sighs> mood swings, head banging, uh, torture, execution. Maybe the mood swings were kind of exacerbated by the head bang. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Maybe there was like he always had a headache, right? Yep. And so you get like he would get irritated. Maybe none of this would have happened if they had Excedrin, or yeah, some kind of mental uh, health solution. I, I'm wondering. I, I keep hearing like he's banging his head because he's pious, and now he's banging his head when his wife is gone. I'm wondering if this. Like there are doctors listening. Go, oh, he obviously had this problem that mm. leads to, that causes head banging. Head bangery, kind of, eh, maybe, or maybe just the head banging started the head banging and you just needed a hockey helmet. Yeah, there you go. Oh, right. one of those like wrestling was the wrestling helmet. No, no, like the, the full like hard sided okay. hockey helmet. You know, mm-hmm. so he could bang his head and not <laughs> the helmet that saved the empire. <laughs> no, the empire was fine. Uh, the helmet that saved uh, you know his maternal family. <laughs> At the same time as this personal tragedy was seemingly affecting Ivan's mental health, one of his generals, Prince Andrei Krubsky, defected to the Lithuanians, mm. took command of the Lithuanian troops, and devastated the Russian region of Velikie Luki, which only deepened Ivan's paranoid suspicions of the nobility. Sure. Oh, okay. yeah. You're all going to be like that guy. Prince Krubsky. But, you know, if, if your, your ruler is like losing his mind and banging his head against things every chance that he gets mm-hmm. and like smashing furniture and losing it. Would you defect to the Lithuanians? If you're going to defect, that's the time to defect, I, right? You know, yeah. like you're going, okay, I feel I feel a purge coming on. Yeah. Right. This, this is like, uh, it's not going to be too long before he decides that, you know, all his generals have to go. Trust is a two-way street, Ivan. Yeah. Like they don't trust you. So yeah, you now, shouldn't trust them. Now, Turning right around, taking command of your enemies, your former enemies' armies, and then devastating your former uh, like countrymen. Hmm. That's kind of cold. Yeah, so you would just like leave and just keep going further away. Yeah, just you know, call it a day. 
You know, ah, Lithuania, there's a lot less headbanging going on. I hear London's nice this time of year. <laughs> London's not nice any time of year. Well, compa- compared to where you're being murdered in <laughs> Moscow, I think it's pretty darn nice. Uh, uh, uh. On 3 September 1564, Ivan departed Moscow to his country estate, from where he sent two letters in which he announced his abdication because of the alleged treason of the aristocracy. Oh, story okay. over. So, yeah. right. uh, Short episode. Screw you guys, I give up. I'm taking my football, I'm going home. What? <laughs> the Boyar court was unable to rule in Ivan's absence and feared the wrath of the Muscovite citizenry. Wait, who's the Muscovite? The people of Moscow. People of Moscow. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, these are the same people who demanded his that he turn his grandmother over to them so they could like savage her and and uh, and have her executed. Mm. Muscovites are nasty people. A boyar envoy begged Ivan to return to the throne, but Ivan only agreed to return on condition of being granted absolute power. <laughs> <laughs> that he'd be able to execute and confiscate the estates of traders without interference from the boyar or church councils. They agreed to his demands, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. and Ivan returned in February 1565, but by this time the hair in his head had fallen out and his beard had turned white. <laughs> With his new authority entrenched, Ivan decreed the creation of the Oprichnina. The Oprichnina. The Oprichnina consisted of a separate territory within the borders of Russia, mostly in the lands around Moscow and the former Novogorod Republic in the north. Ivan held exclusive power over the Oprichnina territory. The Oprichnina diminished the power of the boyars in favor of a more centralized government. Okay, so he made a new state. He divided the country into two countries. There was like a country inside the country. Okay. Where he was allowed to do anything he wanted. Why didn't he just do like in the whole country? I mean, it's well, too much, too much, too much country. Can't handle that much. There's too much. There's paperwork. a lot of Russia. Torn. Okay, that's I don't really understand right. how much Russia. He doesn't want the the stuff in the outlying areas. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a he's a Muscovy prince. So uh, you know, just focus on uh, Moscow and Novgorod. Okay. They're like two major urban centers. Uh, I'll quote. tell you what I'd like to see: hmm. an ostrich Nina. An ostrich Nina? Yeah, Dr. Nina from our uh, mm. from our Five Senses uh, series. Uh-huh. Riding an ostrich? That would be awesome. Oh, I thought it would just be Nina with her head stuck on the ground. Oh, well, there's that too. There's a certain appeal to that as well. The revolution of Tsar Ivan was an attempt to transform an absolutist political structure into despotism. Mm. The Oprich Nina proved to be not only the starting point, but also the nucleus of autocracy, which determined the entire subsequent historical process in Russia. I don't know what any of that means. Okay. Basically, I think what it sounds like to me mm. is that this is the beginning of despotism, despotism. in Russia. Yeah. Oh, I see. Right? He's writing the handbook right. by which all of the Russian despots okay. took their cues from this point forward. Ivan created a way to elevate the men among the gentry to positions of power, thus diminishing the aristocracy that had failed to support him on multiple occasions. Clearly. So like, mm-hmm. Hey, maybe uh, I don't have to have you guys in charge. Maybe I can just say somebody else is in charge of these things. She found and burned it in the ground. 
Well, we heard about the Oprichnina. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is the place. Now let's learn about the Oprichniki. Oh. Oh, is this Nick, Nikki the ostrich? Oprich Nikki, uh, you're so fine. Rider. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Oprich Nikki. <laughs> Oprich Nikki. Ivan also created a centralized apparatus of political control in the mm-hmm. form of his own personal guard, the Oprich Nikki. Okay. All right. So these are the people. Yes. The Oprich Nina is the place. The Oprich Nikki is are the, the people. Is the peeps. Okay. All right. Originally, it was a thousand strong, but quickly grew to the size of a small army. I would say a thousand is a small army, but. What do I know? Mm, the Oprichniki enjoyed social and economic privileges no. and owed their allegiance and status to Ivan alone, not to heredity or local bonds. They dressed in black and oh. rode black horses. Very slimming. The traditional color of death. <laughs> mm-hmm. And hung two emblems from their saddle, a broom and a dog's head. Oh, you know what? I, we'll talk about this in the pop culture section, no. but I watched a movie called Czar. Uh-huh. And uh, these guys factored heavily into the plot of this movie. Okay. And it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like an emblem. Like that, when you read that, yeah, it, sounds I was thinking, like, it sounds like it's like some little embossed thing on their saddle or whatever. Right. Yeah, they've got a charm bracelet with a little tiny broom and a little like metal dog's head on it. Yeah, according to this movie, it was a full-on broom and a full-on dog's head. Oh, okay. Like hanging from the pommel of the saddle. Of oh, the I see. Okay. And they would like actually stick people in the face because it was one of those super old school medieval brooms hmm. where it was just uh, about like 40 twigs. Right. right, strapped to the end right. of a stick. Yeah. So yeah, there's this bit where this uh, you know female Oprichniki was uh, stabbing a guy in the face with her broom and oh, like nice. started to bleed from all these super tiny cuts <laughs> all over his face. The broom signified the writer's mission to sweep Russia clean of Ivan's enemies. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bad management metaphors even back then. <laughs> The dog's head symbolized that he was a watchful servant of the czar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it means. Yeah, good dog. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> Why can't a dog's head around? Oh, this is a symbol to show that I'm a watchful servant of the czar. Not at all that I'm a psycho who likes carrying around dead dog heads. <laughs> what about the fact they rode, uh, they rode around all in black? Like, do you think it became like gang colors? Then nobody else was allowed to wear black because then everyone would think you were Oprichniki? Ooh, maybe. So... You know, I never thought of the Russians as a it's colorful like I can people. never wear white and red in McDonald's. People keep asking me to entertain their kids. Oh, right. <laughs> Is that a problem? Sometimes it's happened because of my nose. More than once. My big red nose. Uh, or, you know, like uh, blue or red in certain parts of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. The, the, mm-hmm. the gang colors or whatnot. Under the new political system, the Opechniki were given large estates. But mm-hmm. unlike the previous landlords, they could not be held accountable for their actions. <laughs> right? Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> These men took virtually all the peasants possessed, forcing them to pay in one year as much as they used to pay in ten. Oh. Okay. So ten taxes. times the taxes. Mm-hmm. This degree of oppression resulted in increasing cases of peasants fleeing, which in turn led to a drop in the overall production. The price of grain increased by a factor of ten. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. Math. Well, Mathematical. <laughs> well, and Wait. it's probably... But these are these are the job providers. These people aren't they? Yeah, aren't they right. the ones supposed to be able to do whatever they want? Well, in like you know, ten years later, uh, Ivan probably identified the problem because that's when he passed the law creating serfdom, where the people weren't allowed to leave the land. Oh well, problem solved. Then I'm sure America will have that same solution very, very shortly. Mm-hmm. Problem solved. Wait a minute. We've got land that's overly taxed, so people leave the land, so we don't make enough grain. Now people can't leave the land. Boom. 
Problem solved. Yeah, mm. that's, a, that's a solution right there. That's an answer to a problem. In 1566, Ivan extended the Oprishnina to eight central districts. Of the 12,000 nobles there, 570 became Oprichniks, while the rest were expelled from their her- hereditary lands. Many Oprichniki were former criminals who became marauding thugs, committing crimes under the apparent authority of the Tsar. Oh, oh. So there were like 11,000 nobles that were just kicked off their hereditary land. I guess so. Oh. I guess so. Oh. Weren't wearing enough black. What do you do as a former noble with hereditary land that gets kicked off of it by this dude in black, by Johnny Cash? Mm. Oh. Johnny Cash comes strumming along in his guitar. The man I in black. shot a man in Moscow <laughs> just, just to watch him, him get down. eaten by dogs. Where do you go? What do you do? If you're if you're if you're a Lithuania. Russian noble, oh, Lithuania. Go to Lithuania. That, that's the uh, the landing spot for all former Russian nobles. Yeah, but uh, you know, eleven thousand of them. Oh, I guess I was going to say that they, you don't have eleven thousand armies to lead back into Russia. But then again, if there's eleven thousand of them, you kind of have an army. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the noblest army of them all. Mm. That's right. Get them. We're nobles. This, Our army will stop you. Oh, I just had That's a, how I th- imagine nobles all the time. <laughs> just poofy aristocrats. We're an army of nobles. Attack! There is a Monty Python sketch in here somewhere. There, yeah. Yeah. Oprichniki swept across the countryside. Literally. Confiscating boyars, <laughs> lands, and estates, and persecuting Ivan's perceived enemies. The first wave targeted primarily the princely clans of Russia. Uh-huh. Ivan executed, exiled, or forcibly tonsured... Who knows what that means? Who knows what tons to tonsure? Oh, they ripped out their tonsils. Yeah, you operate on the tonsils. You find inflamed tonsils. It's a good thing. It's like the first public health system. These might actually get infected and cause real damage to you. Yank. No, that's not it. In fact, it is the practice of cutting or shaving some or all of the hair on the scalp. Oh, so they shaved heads. Of prominent members of the Boyar clans on questionable accusations of conspiracy. Hey, you, you're, you don't like the czar? Let's cut some of his hair off. And kick him off his land. Yeah, that too. Oh, so you lose your land and your hair. Double whammy. And you're forcibly ex- executed or exiled. Mm-hmm. One of these uh, boyars being accused of conspiracy was Alexander Gorbati Shuisky. I think it's pronounced Shuisky. Shuisky. Mm-hmm. Alexander Gorba- Gorbati Shuisky. <laughs> Like whiskey, but with a shh. <laughs> right. It's a quiet, oh, it's a quiet whiskey. whiskey. Yeah. yeah it's a, <laughs> whiskey. It whiskey. doesn't make a noise when you pour it over ice. The prince was probably Ivan's most celebrated and popular general. The town of Gorbatov in uh, Nizhgi Novgorod Oblast still bears his name. Mm-hmm. Alexander was made boyar in 1544 and led the Russian armies against Kazan in 1547. In acknowledgement of service, he was appointed the first Russian governor of Kazan. He managed to keep Kazan in Russian hands under constant threat of attack. He also rebuilt the ruined citadel and oversaw the conversion of a large portion of the local population population to Christianity. Yeah. But Ivan apparently grew jealous of Alexander's popularity. And in 1564, the Tsar accused him of secretly supporting Andrei Kurbsky's defection. Alexander and his 17-year-old son, Peter, were brought to Moscow and beheaded. Beheaded. Wow. Well. can't Can't do good either. Yeah. I mean, you do everything right. You know, you're the governor of Kazan, you convert everybody to Christianity, Mm -hmm. and then uh, that's what does you. You became too popular. Became too good. Became a conspirator. A victim of your own success. Although, well, maybe he did support Andrei Kurbsky's defection. 
Maybe he's like, look, I I work for I work for Ivan. I'm doing all the stuff I can, but you're right. You don't deserve to have all your skin torn off and fed to dogs. So uh, take my chariot uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what about his 17 year old son Peter? Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. Look, I wouldn't do it. I would just be like, dude, what the fuck? That's that's the censure I would give. Uh-huh. Why would you help what? that guy get away? Did you say son or co-conspirator? Uh-huh. I see, I see. So uh, instead of... Uh, uh, We're thinking this guy's innocent. Instead of SAR with a T, you'd be, you, Joe, you'd be a WTFR. Okay, yeah. A, Not a SAR. A, a WTFR? Yeah. Okay. Also among those executed by the Opechniki was the Metropolitan Philip. Mm. Phil. Doesn't sound a very Russian name. I know, right? Mm-hmm. On March 2nd, 1568, the Tsar came to the cathedral for divine liturgy, but Phil refused to bless him. Oh, oh, that's a bold move. Yep. That is a bold move. Yep. But and, <laughs> and, and publicly rebuked him for the ongoing massacres. Oh, that's an even bolder move. Yeah. That's a super bold move. That's I, kind of a churchy thing to do, though. That's the kind of thing yeah, you yeah. think churchy guys yeah. would do. It's kind of your job. Yeah. 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 Ivan, uh, this, I, I predict this is not going to turn out well for him. Ivan deposed Phil from office by raising charges of sorcery and dissolute living. Dissolute okay. living. Okay. All right. I'm not 100% sure what that means. <laughs> like, is that code for- I know what living means. Is that code for getting on with, like, young men or something? Oh, licentious. Yeah. Lacks in morals. Right. Uh, okay. Dissolute. All right. Well, or maybe his moral failing was in not blessing the czar. Yeah, I think Maybe that's that was yeah. only the moral failing he had because he seems to be objecting on moral grounds. Yeah, uh, hey, don't massacre people and stop persecuting uh, innocent generals. And you're you're anti massacre. You obviously are a sorcerer and are <laughs> lax in morals, uh, sir. Uh, yeah, Phil was arrested and imprisoned in a dingy cell, fettered with chains and a heavy collar around his neck, mm-hmm. and was deprived of food for days in succession. Uh, on December twenty third. Merry Christmas, Eve. Uh, Eve. Eve's, Eve's Eve. Eve's, Eve's, yeah, uh, uh, 1569. Uh-huh. Phil was strangled by the head of the Opershniki, Maljuta Skuratov. Oh. <laughs> he should have been strangle off. Should have been screw it off. Like he just yeah. turns the head oh, around just, and around it, and it around just, until it comes off. Full on exorcism. That, yeah. They call it the exorcism execution. Yes. The, ex- the execution. After his martyrdom, monks from Solovsky Monastery opened up the tomb and found the body of Phil was incorrupt. Oh. That means uh, it's some kind of divine intervention so that it's not decomposing. Right, yeah, right. And various healings began to be reported. Hmm. Phil was glorified, proclaimed a saint, in 1652. And there is a shrine in his honor at the Solovsky Monastery to this day. Oh, so if you got visit, a picture of that shrine. If, you visit, if you're visiting the Solovsky Monastery, make sure you visit Phil's tomb. Oh, it's, shrine. it is ornate. That is an ornate mm-hmm. shrine. Look at that. The Opichniki wouldn't hesitate to burst into a church during mass, either abducting the priest or murdering him in front of the altar. Subsequently, Ivan founded a pseudo-monastic order in which he was the abbot and his, Mm quote-unquote, and his his Opichniki were the monks. Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. Reportedly, they regularly performed sacrilegious masses that were followed by extended orgies of sex, rape, and torture. Oh, (laughs) Uh, which do you think came first? The sex, the rape, or the torture? And were they performed on all the same people? Or yes. Or would you have sex with somebody while torturing somebody else? Ooh. Mm, maybe it was just... I, 
see, I think kind of, I think rape is like the mixing of the other two, the sex and the torture. Right, mm. right, right. Yeah, these are like the 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 sex and the torture. Well, are the buns in the rape hamburger? Somebody consent can consent to the to to the sex and the torture. I yeah. think, and there's some arguments about whether or not you could say yes, please rape me. Mm-hmm, yeah. But in general, that's the difference. Sex, bad torture, generally, that's bad. But you could say, yeah, I want you to torture me. Here's mm-hmm. our safe word. Yep. Rape. Ah, when you use it in this kind of description, I don't think it means they're playing games. I don't think they exchanged safe words, Joe. I don't think they did. I don't think they did either. Oh, what would Ivan the Terrible safe word <laughs> His be? Sa- well, he doesn't need one because yes. everybody just listens to what he says. Yeah. But the safe word he gives to everybody else is just fucking kill me. <laughs> Because it's like, if you've had enough, then he's done with you and he's going to end the suffering by killing you. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, hey, no, we got a safe word. (laughs) Anytime you want me to stop what I'm doing, you just let me know. Mm. And uh, your skin will be removed and fed to the dogs over there. Got it. Terrible. Frequently, Ivan would act as a master of a ritual in which, with white hot pincers, ribs were torn out of men's chests. But is that so they get cooked at the same time? I don't know. Hey, we're having ribs uh, tonight. Well, no, if you got them really hot, maybe that's that's what would get it through the skin. You do, you wouldn't need to be piercy. It wouldn't need to be like razor. I don't sharpie. know about that. Yeah, I don't. Man, if you like hit hit skin with like super hot things, is it not like? Isn't it just gonna plunge through? No, I don't think. Despite it, the sharpness, I say I no. I don't think it I would. Say no. No. Well, I don't. Maybe it was just for effect. Just for the smell, probably for the smoke Let's show. Get the smell. Yeah. These bouts of debauchery would be. Alternated with passionate acts of repentance. Oh, a little oh, yin-yang. Yeah, okay. Ivan seems very conflicted. Mm. Ivan, after throwing himself down before the altar with such vehemence, or vehemence, mm-hmm. that his forehead would be bloody and covered with bruises. Again with okay. the forehead. All right, well, this he, isn't a surprise. He would rise and read sermons on Christian virtues to his drunken retainers. I mean, here's the thing. Like, if you've been banging your head against stone things for as long as he has, I bet you, you can, it, it becomes an Andrew W.K. thing. Like, you pretty much just need to, like, you know, be breathed on heavy and your forehead will start bleeding. Probably, right? Who is Andrew W.K.? Oh, you don't know this guy? He's a, he's a you, rock you know and roll Andrew star. W.K. And he's got some great music. And on stage, he likes to rub his forehead until it starts to bleed. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, by the end of most of his shows, he ends up dripping in blood. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it doesn't take very long. I saw him do it in an interview. They were asking him about the the bleeding on the stage. He's like, yeah, well, I've been doing it so long. It doesn't take much work anymore. And he started to do it in the interview. He just kind of like rubbed this one spot and then just started dripping blood. Oh, God. Because he's got all this scar tissue on his forehead. So I'm guessing Ivan was the same way. Sure, probably. Yeah. Yeah. If he he turned his head really fast, he'd probably splatter you in blood from his forehead. (laughs) Hey, Ivan. What? Right uh, in my mouth. uh, Yeah. Hepatitis. During this this period, there there is a record of a number of atrocities committed. Ivan carried a metal-pointed staff with him, which he would use to lash out at people who offended him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He had peasant women stripped naked and used as target practice by his Oprichniki guards. Okay. All right. That seems excessive. He had several hundred beggars drowned in a lake. Well, you know, when you're walking downtown, right, mm-hmm. and somebody asks you for change, it can be annoying. Drown lakey annoying. Well, Ivan, it's a matter of degrees, Torrin. It's Ivan the Terrible. Right. Yeah, right? but he doesn't you know? go walking through the lake. 
Like I said, my reaction is just to avert my gaze, do not make eye contact, shake my head. And I just kind of like, you know, grumble some sort of non-committal something or other. That's mm. the way I react, okay. yes. right? <laughs> and Ivan the Terrible reacts by drowning them in a lake. Right. A boyar was set on a barrel of gunpowder and blown to bits. Okay. Now, if you're going to get taken out by Ivan the Terrible, That's this, good is showmanship. The way, this is the way to go, right? This is the mm-hmm. one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in uh, I, It's like when it's like it can be festive because I got a wedding when they throw the bouquet and whoever catches like the head or something. There you the go. Boyar, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Year of good luck You know, or it's something. like uh, a confetti, but with people. <laughs> right. You can also hope that the shrapnel of your bones might actually take somebody out. Oh, that's true. You know, oh. I would I would try to position my body so that you know the hard bony bits of me would go oh, towards the just people like shooting me. Point your collarbone at somebody, like yeah. oh oh that uh, oh, that guy who strangled uh, Metropolitan Philip. I can get him. Yeah, I can get him. Ivan's treasurer, Nikita Funikov. Uh huh. He puts the fun in Funikov. He was boiled to death in a cauldron. Oh, okay. His treasurer. Yeah, his treasurer. Now who's going to mm. look after the money? <laughs> Well, maybe he was looking after the money uh, too well. Right. No, I'm saying. His counsel, Ivan Viscovati, was hung while Ivan's entourage took turns hacking off pieces of his body. Oh, so it's like a pinata. Kind of, yeah. This is a Russian pinata. Yeah. With, instead of a bat, it's sharp bits. You know how uh, Knives. Uh, in England, a Chelsea smile sounds good, but is bad. Mm? This is like the very, a Russian pinata. Uh, Sounds good. Like a Colombian necktie. Like a Colombian necktie, precisely. (laughs) Chelsea smile, exactly. Ivan regularly boiled people in oil and cut out their tongues. Sometimes when he ordered an execution, the entire family, including servants, would be condemned as well. Hmm. An English envoy wrote about the fate of Prince Boris Tulupa. Uh He was drawn upon a long, sharp-made stake which entered the the lower part of his body and came out of his neck upon which he languished a horrible pain for 15 hours alive oh. and spoke to his mother, brought to behold that woeful sight. Uh, spoke to his mother. So this isn't one of these uh, Vlad the Impaler situations where it comes out of your mouth. It's like Came comes out, out of his neck. Some, yeah. They, of his they neck. missed. They went up and missed coming out of the top of the head. Uh, he spoke to his mother. So his head's what to the you? side and to, to his ears, probably the, yeah. the spike part. If you're stuck yes. on a stake for 15 hours and then mm. they bring your mother by... What do you say to her? Kill me. <laughs> oh, that Kill would... me. Hey, so thanks say... for coming, Mom. Uh, I, I think I would have gone with, like, uh, did you bring any turkey? Did you bring any turkey? Yeah. Can you can you please remove this spike? <laughs> Remember that time when I was little and said you were a terrible mother? It's, man, so wrong. Remember how terrible so was good back then? Wrong. Ooh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Hold on. How about uh, I got a boo-boo? Oh, can you kiss and make it better? Oh, God. Yeah. So she was brought uh, to him to behold that woeful sight, and she was given to 100 gunners who defiled her to death. Oh! And the emperor's hungry hounds devoured her flesh and bones. I thought the bad part was that she had to watch her son die impaled on a stake. Yeah. No. They defiled her to death and then fed her to the dogs. dogs. Yep. Yep. That's legit evil. That is legit. Yep. That is too legit to quit level evil. Much of what we know about the Oprichnik came from the accounts of the German adventurer, German adventurer Heinrich von Staden. Okay. 
who was one of the few foreign Opushniki and the only member who wrote about their activities. Okay. Von Staden was born the son of a burger near Munster, Germany. Mm, Munster burgers. <laughs> <laughs> What's in a Munster burger? Cheese. Oh, wow. They didn't even Just hesitate. Just cheese. That's oh. all you need to no. know. Cheese between bread. When attending a Catholic seminary, Von Staden was accused of stabbing a fellow seminarian with an awl. A-W-L. <laughs> yeah, okay. Awl. So, so nice guy. He wrote his account of Russia, the land and government of Muscovy, a 16th century account, which he commemorated to the Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf II. Mm -hmm. It consisted of four parts, a petition, a description of Russia, a plan for the invasion of Russia from the north. Uh From the north. Uh And the author's autobiography. So does he think the Canadians are going to come over the pole? (laughs) (laughs) polar bears polar bears are coming Uh, von staden hoped to influence the emperor to invade muscovite russia and restore the region to the teutonic order in exchange for a substantial reward Mm. oh so he was like uh he was an insider trader kind of between 1578 and 1582 von staden worked as a de facto spy for the teutonic order he sent his proposal to the order's grandmaster then later to the kings of poland and sweden Historians discovered this document in 1839 in the Prussian State Archives, but no link to von Staden was discovered until years later. Hmm. Despite the fact that there's an autobiography in this book, uh-huh. the history of the Opuchnina was rewritten after von Staden's accounts were found. His accounts are the most insightful and descriptive ever discovered and spoke of the disorder of the Russian government under Ivan the Terrible. He calls Tsar Ivan a horrid tyrant. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is uh, pretty much hitting the nail on the head. Or should I say, ein kleiner horrid tyranten? Okay. All right. <laughs> that would be mm. a very small horrid tyrant. <laughs> horrid tyrants. <laughs> horrid tyrants. Uh-huh. He describes the, the large... He describes the targets of Ivan's terror as individual families which the Tsar believed to be dangerous to his authority rather than against the entire boyar class as previously thought. Mm. So conditions worsened with the plague epidemic that killed at least 10,000 people in Novgorod alone. In Moscow, it killed 600 to 1,000 daily. During this period of epidemic famine and ongoing Livonian war, Ivan grew suspicious that noblemen of the wealthy city of Novgorod were planning to defect, placing the city itself into the control of the Grand Duchy of Lithuania. In early 1570, Ivan ordered the Opuchniki to raid the city. Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion to this episode of Caustic Soda. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling. An ominous feeling. A feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while rats burrowed through his chest for freedom. Horrible freedom. To comment on episodes and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Support us now at patreon.com slash causticsoda. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at causticpodcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. 
I'm Joe Fulgham. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting Caustic Soda. Next time on Caustic Soda. It says they were returned to the monasteries to be buried. To be buried. They may not have been buried. There's actually a pile still outside of skeletons. on top, stuck on the top guy. To be buried. To be buried. TBB.